back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. C. Grant, what's good? And we are back with another episode of Views from the Clutch. As always, we'd like to take this moment to say thank you to our listeners, supporters, and subscribers. If you would like to join the wave, you could do so by leaving us a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms we are hosted on. You can send us an email at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Facebook and Instagram. Um... See, Grant, what's the current score on that game we were talking about? Uh, did the Nets come back yet? It is currently 104 to 96. They're losing. Oh, that's not bad. Eight points? Yeah, eight points. Um, they, they had a um, their third quarter. The second and third quarters, they kind of made a difference. They was losing, it was losing by double digits in the first quarter. And then the second and third quarter, they cut into the lead. But again, it's still um, it's still eight points. Um, for the sake of a disclaimer, let's go ahead and point out the fact that this is not a review on the Brooklyn Nets being a bad basketball team. This is just us pointing out a current score that's happening live while we're recording the podcast. Please do keep in mind, Kevin Durant is currently out for the Brooklyn Nets. So mm-hmm. he's not available to suit up due to COVID tracing protocol and him being around someone who had an inconclusive test and then a positive and so on and so forth. As we have said since the season began and, you know, last season went into the bubble, the NBA is likely to be affected by COVID. And here's a prime example of how COVID has touched each and every corner of the globe and has left no person unaffected by its, you know, effects. Um, as always, we wish any and everybody who's been affected by COVID speedy and safe recoveries. Condolences to anyone who has suffered a loss. Get well, recovery wishes to anyone currently battling this, you know, horrible pandemic. Let's get into it. Um, first and foremost, big time thank you to Steams for joining us for last week's episode. We'd like to wish him nothing but the best of luck for 2021 and all of his future battles. Shout out to the whole We Go Hard army and the family. City, I see you. City just recently had an event, turned out really well. You know what I'm saying? And he had been out of the loop and Steams had actually been running the league for a while. But now City, who is the founder of We Go Hard, has returned back to the platform to, you know, kind of restore order in a chaotic situation that we're dealing with with this pandemic. But off that sidebar and back into what we're here for, because, you know, there's always bars, even in basketball. What's going on with the NBA, man? Let's talk about it. Your team. Your team did it. Your team yeah. did it. We acquired, we acquired, reacquired uh, Derrick Rose. Um, one of Tom Thibodeau's favorites, and um, who was a kind of a fan favorite for the Knicks as well, came off the bench today. Uh, he got he well basically the Knicks reacquired him for Dennis Smith Jr. and uh, a second round pick um, in the upcoming draft, which you know is 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 not much, might not be much, but also Dennis Smith. Jr., They're actually who was, saying that these drafts are starting to become more talent laden. 
which is which is weird, you know. Since the NBA, because in, in our time growing up, remember the NBA used to be like an eight round draft, and then it suddenly well, became you, a two round draft. You older than me, so I don't know about no eight round drafts. This ain't the NFL. Swipe left. Swipe left. <laughs> Swipe left. All right. Swipe left. You 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 cashed out early. So, you know, I hope funds are available at the end of this podcast because now I'm going to have to slaughter your Knicks. Anyway, back to, back to positive energy on this side over here. Yeah, so since the NBA truncated, truncated its draft process to, to the second round, it's always been kind of like, you know, an a, a afterthought for most players that get drafted in the second round, unless it's a big-time college name who may have fallen in the draft for reasons unknown or simply because – he stayed in college for four years and, you know, they tended to rate seniors lower than they did, you know, 19, 17, 20-year-old mm-hmm. players. Um, that draft pick, I doubt, would ever come back to really significantly long-term burn the Knicks. It's not a situation where, you know, Draymond Green or Isaiah Thomas or something like that. We'll have to see, as with all draft-related picks, pick trades, whether it actually comes back to haunt the Knicks. I doubt it will, considering that the Knicks' trajectory with Tom Thibodeau and the front office changes that they've made is to try and aim aim upward. So that pick and its quality should continue to lower itself if the Knicks can, you know, pick up the pieces and get to a a, a above 500 record this season. Um, With that being said, Derrick Rose, in his initial run in New York, it wasn't a bad run. He did yeah. not play bad when he was in New York. Yeah, he a- he averaged uh, 18 points. Which would be very, very helpful if he were to replicate that performance with the uh, understanding of his game that he has now post-injury. You know, Derrick Rose doesn't try to dunk. Derrick Rose doesn't try to explode. Derrick Rose's landing technique has improved. His ability to, you know, stay on the court has, you know, evened out over the course of him returning from all of those myriad injuries that he had, that brief departure he had from the league. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I was a fan of pre-injury Derrick Rose. I was a fan of post-injury Derrick Rose. And I'm always one of those people that roots for the underdog. And seeing him come to New York and reunite with a coach who basically saw him at the apex of his career, which is rare in the NBA, that you reach the height of your career, you know, in your early 20s. And then everything from there is just kind of recovery mode. But... I still believe Derrick Rose at 32 years old still has a lot left in the tank and a lot to offer that New York Knicks team because he provides some veteran leadership, some experience in the playoffs. He was part of probably one of the best first round playoff series to ever happen in NBA history. I'm I'm, I'm hoping to see a brighter horizon in in tow. Now, mind you, the trade-off on what he gives you I don't know if we'll be able to see that if they're going to bring him off the bench. What, what are your no, thoughts no, no, on no, no, listen, listen. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but as soon I as he, he, actually, he actually checked into the game with Emmanuel quickly, and when they both, get, when they got, when they both were playing on, on the court together, the Knicks had went on a 25-6 to six run. You hear him? Um, hype. Y'all hear yeah, him clutch? Y'all hear him clutch? Because, he hype. Because Derrick Rose – is that aggressive guard that the Knicks need that even though he's not a good shooter, he's such a good uh, driver and slasher that he's creating and he's causing a double team that you have to step up. And Derrick Rose, um, in his little bit of play coming off the bench, he has t- 10 points and um, three assists, one steal, um, 
and two from two from three point line. And what his in that uh, one of his one of his assists was a um a three from quickly and an and one for uh, Obi Toppin. So he's right. getting. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to pause your New York yeah, yeah. Knicks love fest because my boy Stretch has joined the Views from the Clutch podcast. Stretch, say what up to everybody, man. What's up, everybody? What up, world? What down, people? Oh, what you got us on speakerphone? No, it should be Terrell, but um, I guess so. Nah, it sounds like you broadcasting from the, the the war room in the presidential bunker, but it's all good. We 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 love it. We love it. Glad to have you on the on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the family. Um, we were just discussing Derrick Rose's debut with the New York Knicks. Um. Before we get into breaking down, you know, who's your favorite team and who you're rooting for and your NBA insights, um, let's start with what, what's your take on Derrick Rose returning to New York and, and playing for Tom Thibodeau again? How, how do you feel about that? I mean, I, I guess he went back for Thibodeau to finish his career. Finish his career? He's only 32. Finish yeah, his career? Yeah, he's 32. Oh my God. NBA years, he's like 45. LeBron wow. is 30. LeBron 45. <laughs> Le, LeBron just turned what? 36 in December. Uh Chris Paul is what? 36 now. He still got mm-hmm. another year left on his contract. Um I think Steve Nash got to retire at 40. Veteran point guards and veteran floor leaders, they they tend to somehow be and, and mind you, he's only getting paid 7 million dollars a year. And he's still able to get past almost pretty much any starting point guard in the league with his speed and quickness. You That's think that true. deterioration is going to be that fast? You think that I – mean, when you say the end I of mean, his career, you only saying I, it like he got two years left or something. When I mean you finish his career off, what I mean is he got two to three more years to average about what he averaged now, about 15, 16, and it's going to start to decline, which is about, is about over after that. That's just my opinion, y'all said. I'm only one person. And and that's and that's and that's why you're here, because we, we want to hear that opinion. So watch a rose from grade school, high school, like it's the, the, the people you name, the Chris Pauls and the LeBron, they never had that injury like D Rose. So that's a big Okay. Difference. Okay, segue. Chris Paul has been playing on one meniscus for eleven years. Yeah, in 11 that... years, he's only had one meniscus in his knee. Derrick Rose tore an ACL, which had to be repaired. And then what were the other injuries he had, Seagram? He only tore the ACL. He tore – did he tear it twice? I think it was, it was – yeah, I think it was the meniscus in the other knee, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm going to double-check that. But I believe it was back-to-back where he actually um... – He tore the ACL, and then, and then he had another knee injury. But I don't think it was on the same level as an ACL. But it definitely <laughs> took it definitely took those bungees out. Yeah, because basically what it did, he t- it tore his ACL in his left leg during the playoffs against Philadelphia. Uh, and then basically missing that whole year, it came to, he came back and then he ended up um, messing up his right meniscus. You know, so um, that messed up, that messed him up. So basically he, all his explosion was pretty much gone and that, that affected his confidence. And But the good thing about Derrick Rose was he let you know. He put the world on notice. Like, okay, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to have a good second year, or second half of my career, because he had to make the adjustment. Even though he lost his explosiveness, he still was a smart basketball player. He still was able to get to the basket and be very productive. I mean, you got to think about it. he's the youngest MVP in the history of the league. But having devastating injuries like that, he could still have a salvageable career where he's 
been averaging double figures for, for the, what the past what three four years. Yeah, you know, um, I think he lost his north south. He didn't lose his north south explosion. He lost his up down explosion. He doesn't get off the floor with that violent leaping ability that he always had. But yeah. he's still as fast as I, I recall. Derrick Rose on a shady crossover, you're probably in recovery mode as soon as he twitches the opposite direction of where you're leaning. He still gets that to this day. He still gets to his spots. and Because remember, Derrick Rose came into the league and he was a one-of-a-kind quick guard because he wasn't always just trying to get to the rim. He has one of the most unique floater games I've ever seen out of, out of guards in the league. Like, he goes left, he goes right, he shoots one-hand floaters. He shoots yeah, quickly, him and Luke Will, kind of reminds me of the floater. Quickly kind of reminds yeah. me of him in the sense of, oh, he got by his man. Oh, he about to do a double-clutch reverse, get under the rim. He just shot a floater from 15 feet. Nothing but that. So, I, I, I think... And again, I think that's why Chris Paul's career has been so sustainable because he plays an area of the court that no defender is really equipped to properly guard. Chris Paul gets to a spot, holds you in that spot, and then he jumps backward and he's made that, that fadeaway pull-up jump shot for you know the entirety of his career. It's unblockable because up, he up. just knows how to keep that separation. Hold up. But Chris Paul was never known for his athleticism. So I, well, see, so see, see I'm older. Hold on, hold on. Let me make my point real quick, bro. So post-injury, he didn't really have to, you know what I'm saying, adjust his game like that. Derrick Rose's whole game had to be adjusted his injuries. So that 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 takes that takes time. That's why it took him to float through Cleveland and all that stuff until he got to Minnesota to start back looking like this. All right. So so here, here's my counterpoint. Who are the two most violent dunks on Dwight Howard in NBA history? Who are the two guys who, who dunked on Dwight Howard the most violently? Kobe and Chris Paul. Thank you. He didn't even hesitate. Yeah. yeah. There was a time when Chris Paul was at Wake Forest and in his early years in New Orleans, he was dunking. He still can dunk. He just dunked in the All-Star game last right? year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember he pulled yeah. it out, what was it, two years ago at the last All-Star game that they uh, had? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or was it last year? It may, it may it even be yeah, last year. Because we ain't had an All-Star was game. It was 19? Yeah. So yeah, he's still he's uh, a gr- stretch. I don't want to make it seem like I'm I'm debating you or arguing you. You're right. Oh, that's Athleticism good. wasn't oh, wasn't wasn't the debates. athleticism wasn't the first and foremost primary trait of Chris Paul's game. It's always been about his court savvy and his ability to manipulate a defense and an offense and and basically control a game. He's got like a Tom Brady like element to the way his presence on the floor affects everything, mm-hmm. and, and that's to be respected. Chris Paul and Derrick Rose don't have that same level of overall impact on the game, but I think that Derrick Rose's impact on the game and the fact that you have to account for it's not very likely that many guys that you put in front of Derrick Rose can actually stay in front of him consistently for 48 minutes. As long as he still has that, I think there will always be a spot for him in the league. His passing, although he's not ever had a high assist rate season, he is a good passer. It's just his ability to score is all... His ability, his ability to score has always been so much better than the passes that he creates from his penetration that you kind of overlook the fact that even though he has never been like a high assist guy, he's never really been below five assists as a starter. So you have to give him credit because now nowadays the average starting point guard in the league, 
if you're averaging over five, six assists, they're, they're calling you a general. So the NBA has kind of shifted. The NBA has kind of shifted and allowed for these guys who are quote unquote score first point guards to be, you know, floor leaders or to be the star point guard in the league. And I don't think that's really going to change much, especially when you consider C. Grant. Didn't you say they brought quickly and Rosen together? Yeah. To, to, yeah. yeah. And he still managed to cook up three assists. Where did Derrick Rose get them three assists from? Can you name three players on the Knicks that you could pass to and they're going to give you a guaranteed bucket? I mean, well, he two, two. well no, but he played with the second unit. So um, he had qu- one of them was too quickly. The other one was Rose driving to the basket. The defender jumps up to help uh, a dump off to um, Obi Toppin for an one. Okay. And the third okay. one, I think, was something something along those lines. Like, you know what I mean? So, but it was, I think what you guys didn't point out with um, the Chris Paul, Derrick Rose thing was Chris Paul always had a better jump shot than Derrick Rose. You know what I mean? That's one thing that helped sustain Chris Paul was he wasn't more of a north-south guy. He he relied on his jump shot a lot more than Derrick Rose. Right. Absolutely. Much ever did. So Absolutely that, agree. You know, that, that was a shift. And also, Chris Paul coming into the league, he's always been a high assist guy. But Derrick Rose has always been more of a, I'm going to score a slash and I'll pass. get my assist on a, and I'll pass like kind of third option type thing where Chris Paul, where everybody was like, yo, I mean, because most of his career, he's averaging 10 assists or nine or something like that. So yeah, and he, then he's the right systems play into it too. The systems play a oh, factor absolutely. into them assists. Absolutely. Because Derrick Rose had to be a scorer for the Bulls. Chris Paul didn't have to be a scorer when he first came to North and New Orleans and stuff like that. They had um, David West. He was the man then. Agree. Now with that being said, Stretch, I want you to quickly tell the people where you're from and who who is your favorite basketball team currently. I'm from Chicago. And no, the Bulls is not my favorite team because Ryan's Dorf need to sell it. Um Wow. I'm gonna go with a state fan. You go now, how long you been a Golden State fan? Okay. Since since my favorite point guard played for them, named Baron Davis. Okay, so you you're you're part okay. of the original We Believe era. Oh yeah, I was a movie. Okay. Doyle, I think, and not to take anything away from you, but I think everybody gravitated towards that team. Like every, I cheered like feverishly from that team. And I'm pretty sure C. Grant, C. Grant did too, because one of our favorite players was on that team, Steven Jackson. Oh, and, that clown, man. He's a dog. And, and he kind of represented that element of the NBA that, you know, slowly phasing itself out that, you know, I ain't no punk, yep. but I can still give you buckets and I can do it with style. And if I don't like the coach, trade me. Because oh, he was no, one of the you first got the add in, and I'm going to give you fits on the defensive end, too. Oh, absolutely. A-plus yeah, yeah. defender. But he was one of the first guys. Like, he set the stage for what Kawhi did later, and a lot of people forget that. Yeah. He told Greg Popovich, like, yo, you don't like who I am? Send me somewhere else. Because yeah, Popovich was like, oh. No, Ginobili should not be getting more clock than him back then. <laughs> Like yeah, Mono came in and brought something different with the Euro step, but back then Steven Jackson was far better than Janelle. 
And a lot of people forget that Steven Jackson was a teenager when he got to the NBA. He was 18. He had a very unique path. He got drafted out of high school. He had a very unique path to the NBA. Say again? No, I said Oak Hill. Oh, yeah, Oak Hill. Yeah, he is an Oak Hill Academy rep. So um, we haven't really dedicated any, any real energy to the Golden State Warriors beyond just keeping an eye on how they've been performing and kind of admiring and respecting the fact that they've managed to stay afloat. Most of our Golden State conversations usually lead to C. Grant telling me about my, my, my brother-in-law, Andrew Wiggins, not ever living up to his number one draft position and the fact that Kelly Oubre couldn't shoot straight if you gave him a bazooka and a target the size of a planet. But what's your take on, on this year's versions of the Warriors? How do you feel about them and where do you see them projecting as the season progresses? Oh, well, the last the last part of your question first, I see them floating somewhere between that 6th, 7th, and 8th. I do see them getting into the playoffs this year. It's just it's so tight in the West. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as the progression of the team, to start the season, it was rough. It was ugly. They starting to play better now. Ubre and Wiggins starting to step up a little bit more now. You know what I mean? Like, but we need Wiseman back to really make a run. We need Wiseman back. I like what I see out of the rookie. You know what I'm saying? He got mm-hmm. to get tougher, but that that comes with it. He only played what? How many games in college? About five, two games, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I, mean? I think he got a week. I think he got a week at Memphis before the NCAA was like, you know what? Enough of this. Yeah, so, you know, and then Wiseman, like, and then Wiseman, it's still a learning curve for him. But he got the right. He made a wise decision and not fighting it too. He decided, mm-hmm. you know what? If y'all gonna give me all this trouble just to play college basketball, I'm gonna just wait. And it, it played out to his benefit. I mean, how often do you get to go to a franchise like Golden State as a highly touted rookie and immediately step on the floor and have playing time? He was the starting center. Now, mind you, that did wobble Golden State's chemistry, but it brought, like you said, a unique, different element to that team that I think is going to really pay off for them long term. Now, obviously, Wiseman is, what, 19, 20 years old, so mm-hmm. he's a part of that new chapter of what Golden State's going to bring, but I think he's a very nice bridge to it. And shout out to Draymond Green. As much as I'm not really his biggest fan, he's been pumping assists out like Magic Johnson lately. Yeah. And you have to give credit where credit is due. I think he had a 2.15 assist game recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was killing last night, but besides that dumb dumb shot he shot at the end. <laughs> Against San Antonio. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, had 17 yeah, wow. and 10 last night. You know, he shot that three trying to get the triple-double, but we needed to win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he shot the, he shot it with – he shot but he from said, half court with eight seconds left. Thinking that I he think was going to get fouled. Yep. Yeah, but the, fun, the funniest thing about it was – the announcers, the announcers, yo, the announcers yeah. in the NBA now are on a whole different degree of like, flaming somebody because they were like, "Why they do that for?" You know? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, oh, with, like, with the oh, full, no, I, with, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, so. with the full level of disgust in their voice, nothing hidden. Like it's not like the Marv Albert days. Where it was like curious shot selection by Draymond Green. You know, you'll hear something like that where there's a. You know that they're not feeling it. These new era, these new era sportscasters, they'd be like, terrible shot by such and such. You'd be like, damn, how are you gonna keep his job? But um back to it though. Uh I, I do think 
the Golden State Warriors that we're seeing this year probably definitely not probably, but I, I definitely have them slated to be in the playoff conversation. I don't know if six, seven, eight is where they're land. I think they were what are they eighth right now? I the ninth, I, ninth, ninth. Ninth. So I, yeah, I, I think they're gonna be because, like you said, the West is so tough and it's so volatile out there, and you know every game the, the standings are changing on the bottom half of the uh, of the seeding for the West. I do see them being able to keep afloat with all the other teams because at this point, you know what Golden State is going to give you. They just have to get fully healthy. And if they can get fully healthy, then they can show the Stephen Curry having to go out and drop 57 and lose, you know? So Mm -hmm. there's a lot to be said about that Warriors team, that franchise, and and where they can go. I, I don't really see them as being a threat to the NBA title this year. But no. I do see them on a path of them being a real big problem for people come next season. Come I mean, next season, that that vendetta tour. If Clay is killer Clay, eighty five percent, we're not going to do that. If Clay yeah. is eighty five, we're not going to do that. Well, hey, I, do you guys, man, Clay a killer, man. Put some respect on Clay, man. He a killer, man. What kind of killer is he? Uh, assassin, knockdown shooter. He's an assassin. Oh, okay. You're talking about his basketball performance. I'll, I'll take nothing away from that. Clay, Clay Thompson is, is literally one of the best shooters in NBA history along with Steph Curry. No debating on that. Is he a killer? Uh, who, who did Clay Thompson kill? Let, let's go over that. What's, K, what's Clay Thompson kill, kill shot record? What, who, who, who? I mean, somebody may be holding him and he be putting up them stats, man. He be, he be oh, shooting. So we, 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 I, he be shredding. I mean, I don't got the shoot. Listen, I, mean, I don't got the stats. He's a shooter, but he, he be shredding. He's right. a shooter. Nobody's shooter. taking That's away no from question. the fact that he's a shooter. You call him an assassin. Assassins go out and finish people. They end things. Who has Clay Thompson done that to? So you don't, you don't, you don't think Clay got clutch shots on, on his resume? Of course he does. But I'm asking you. You're the fan. Tell us who 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 Clay Thompson. If Clay Thompson is Agent Forty Seven, who who's the targets that he's already taken out? Because you can't say that he's responsible for all them championships. Like he shot. Because no. you know, let's go back to the last two Golden State championships. Who won those? C. Grant. Oh, Kevin Durant. Thank you. And then the one before that, that they beat the Cavaliers. Was that a Clay Thompson championship or was that a Steph Curry? No, nobody can do anything with the championship. I mean, it, it's a team. It's a it's a team game. Oh, uh, here we go. No, 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 no. BS. <laughs> it's a team game at the end of the day. But he do his job. Like he's a key factor. Okay, he's a key. So factor. all I'm asking no, that's you def- to do that, that's true. That's a thousand percent. And I agree with you too. He does his job. He does his job very and well. He, and he's said, a, he probably top seven shooters ever. That's an assassin. When you win them talks, you are a assassin. No, stretch. No, stretch. Reggie Miller is an assassin. Yeah. Ray Allen is an assassin. Uh Uh-huh. Steph Curry is an assassin. Give me some. Give me some, C. Grant, that I haven't named. Dame Lillard? Assassins. Yeah, Dame. Dame, definitely. Dame got to get a ring or, 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 well, you know what? He went West. No, you can't say that. Okay, fine. Fine. Dame Lillard because, you know, he's got, he's got probably four of the best walk-off home runs in recent NBA history. I'll give you that. Dame goes on that list. Who else? 
Assassins. Man, it's been a lot of assassins. Well, I mean, you talk about shooting wise assassins yes. that could take over the game. Gun I mean, it's only a select fool. No, because the reality is Clay Thompson is the perfect. He's the he's a hired gun. I'm a shooter. I'm not I'm not necessarily because when I'm thinking assassin, I'm thinking you're doing everything at a high rate, like Steph Curry. Like I would consider him an assassin. Clay Thompson is that. I'm going to shoot you from distance. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a sniper. Like, he's a sniper. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, if I'm thinking those type of terms. And you got to give him way. credit for holding um, the best player on the other team until subs come in. He get that 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 pick. Yeah, I mean, he – but I, when I'm thinking – like, when I'm thinking in terms of that, I'm thinking more offensive volume. Like, I think Clay Thompson, he don't – like, he's not in – he might – no, nah, I was just saying to the degree of Clay Thompson, like Clay Thompson is that perfect number two. But I'm thinking of somebody like you say, an assassin. I'm thinking number one option that's a shooter. Also, I'm not thinking of a number two option that shoots. You know what I'm saying? But how many? How many number two? When, when I think could could give you all the points with under okay. ten dribbles. Like how many number two? Okay, you know, can do that. This is not an effort to do anything to disparage Clay Thompson and what he does on the court. This is just me saying, when I think assassin, because again, this is about us categorizing your definition. When I think assassin, I think that guy is going to be the reason why we go home. Clay Thompson is one of those guys that's part of the reasons why we go home, but he's not that guy. You get what I'm saying? Because of the gravity of Steph Curry, it makes what Clay what Clay Thompson does that much easier. What I will give Clay Thompson credit for and what he is an actual assassin on, and I hope he's able to return to that level when he gets back on the court, is his defense. Clay Thompson is one of the wings in NBA history. And it's often discredited, right. but Clay Thompson has repeatedly taken the best players on the other team and put them in a cell or given them hell. So in that level, I'll give him the Assassin's Creed. But offensively, if you tell me we coming down the court 10 seconds to go, I'm going to bounce past it to the wing and Clay Thompson's going to make something. Nah. Nah. That's why he don't dribble. Because he can't. He can't. Yeah, no, no. He can't. Mm-mm. He's a two-guard, three-man with, 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 no, with, with no... His handle is NBA credible, but it's not NBA dangerous. You get what I'm trying to say? It's not elite. It's not elite. It's not even close to elite. It's 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 moderate. I think if you put Clay Thompson in any of those skills drills, you're gonna see basketballs going all over the place because there's just certain things. Maybe he comes back and he has that. He'll probably need it. He'll probably need it. So maybe maybe we get a Clay Thompson that comes back and all of a sudden he has some sauce to his to his game because you know. You, 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 when you get injured, you, you kind of reinvent yourself. You know, John Wall all of a sudden has a mystery long ball that's, that's a little bit more accurate now after spending, what, 18 months off the court? You know, DeMarcus Cousins... Yeah, 18 months of straight shoot. Yeah, um, you know, DeMarcus Cousins has come back and he's averaging 14 and 13 and almost two blocks a game as Houston starting center while he spells um, our boy. Um, Christian Wood. Exactly. So guys, Whoa, coming, that so, so guys coming back, guys coming back from those type of debilitating injuries, they do tend to have, you know, some more sazon to what they had prior. So maybe Clay Thompson comes back and he 
and, and he has that. Because if Klay Thompson gets the ability to be able to go three, four, five dribbles off a live ball and, and take a defender off the court with his moves, then he goes right into that status where you anointed him as a, as a full-time assassin. I will come right back on this podcast and pull you on and say, yo, Klay Thompson is assassin now because now I'm worried about him. But the day that it, it's just not there yet. It's just not there yet. Um, I mean, you still worry about him, but again, he's not... I think what we're alluding to the fact is when we think of assassins, we're thinking number one option that can... Yeah, everybody man. knows plan A is to stop Steph Curry, but plan B is definitely to stop Clay Thompson. Oh, yeah, oh, and that's a... And that's a and that's a great plan B to have. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's good. every team in the NBA would want that as a number two. You know what I mean? But does Clay Thompson um, function as a number one, as we know him currently? No. Stretch. No. We would never know unless he put in that position. Oh, but from what I fan, see bro. so far, real what I'm saying, what I see no, so far, I'm just, I am just honest. That. Like, that's not honest. It's, it's a few people that you don't feel that could, could like, Prime example. I didn't think Zach Levine was a solid number one until I seen what he did the last two years for the Bulls. Oh, you was tripping. In Minnesota, I didn't see him as a solid number one. You was tripping. You was tripping now. You was tripping because because I mean I wasn't tripping. It just I didn't see it. I mean, shit. That's when Kevin Love was killing over there and stuff like that. I exactly. See you see, you see how the coach tilts the offense towards the the most developed or or most ready to get the high usage player. But if you follow Zach Levine's career trajectory and understand where he was coming from and what he became as a player, you could kind of see that he was slowly putting all those things together. He went to UCLA randomly. He gets drafted. Minnesota doesn't know what to do with him because he's just this high-jumping, light-skinned kid, and they try to make him play point guard. Then they say, oh, well, you know Uh what? Maybe you're not a point guard, and then we'll maybe let you play the two. Oh, now that you're playing the two, by the way, you're going to need to get a jump shot. Then he comes back with a jump shot. Then he gets what? Traded, then hurt, hurt, then traded. Right. He gets hurt, so he then he gets hurt, traded. He traded. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of those guys, and, and there's no fault to you, Stretch. I always have my eye on him because I'm always looking at See, Grant, I'll tell you this. I be favoring those guys that jump out the gym. I always want to see one of them. <laughs> I always want to see one of them become a really good NBA player because it don't make that – it doesn't make sense to me – for some of these guys to be so athletically gifted and not be able to put it all together. And I'm 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 happy for Zach. I can't say I'm proud of him because I don't know the man. You tell that to Tyrus Thomas. Exactly. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Tyrus Thomas could jump over the backboard. But if you ask him to do a finger roll, the ball might go in the stands. Because his Boy, skill you don't know how mad I was that we traded uh Lamarcus Argus for him on draft day. Oh. Ooh, yeah, that is painful. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about when you talk now about y'all see my the team. When you talk about when you talk about opposing vertical leaps, and you say Ty- <laughs> <laughs> Tyrus and Lamarcus, that is funny. Lamarcus Aldridge can't fall. He'll fall higher in the air than he'll jump. And then when he pulls out them random dunks, you be like, "Yo, bro, why you gonna do that two, three times a game?" So it's, but you know yeah, what, Lamarcus Aldridge, I have to give him credit because we forget that he went through a lot. He had issues with his heart and came back from that. Yep. And he still managed to be one of the most dominant, 
mid-range scorers from from the four position that that the NBA has had in his career span. Now, obviously, his career is starting to wind down, and I don't know what San Antonio is going to do with him. I think they're just going to let his contract expire and let him walk because San Antonio is just one of those teams where they don't really trade people. They just kind of, like, let you move on. Like, you know, the way they did Bellinelli and some of those other guys, they hold Mm -hmm. on to those, you know, Spurs tattoo on the on their back that nobody can see players like Patty Mills. Like I don't know what Patty Mills got on Greg Popovich that he can't get traded for nothing, son. They'll bring in right. 17 guards and Patty Mills will still get 20. I mean, but he 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 functioned in that system like effortlessly. So it's hard to just trade that away when you don't know what you're gonna get back. Right. But when you also have a log jam at his position and you know that he is what he is, and you also need to see what you're developing, you wind up having to bail on talent. Like, for instance, I thought Brent Forbes and Patty Mills were on pace to become the same person. But Brent Forbes is no longer a part of San Antonio because he knew, yo, I can't get the playing time that my skill deserves. So now he's going to become a journeyman. I forgot where Brent Forbes wound up being, but he's not getting no playing time there because, again, he's on the Bucks. Yeah. Okay. So he's on the Bucks playing an undersized point guard position when he's not a point guard. And the Bucks already have, what, DJ Augustine? So you can't play those two together. Mm-hmm. So he he's functionally disabled simply because of where he's at. But when he was in San Antonio, he pretty much gave you a lot of what Patty Mills does. But Patty Mills, like you said, he's got that established veteran presence. He knows the Spurs system inside out. He's adaptable to whatever Greg Popovich wrinkles are going to be added because you know the Spurs have reinvented themselves. He minimal mistake. Right. He's a, the Spurs have reinvented themselves three different times on the fly while he's been there. You know, they went from he been he been trying to poise um DeJounte Murray to take over, but it don't seem like he progressing too much. I think I think the key to their development and their making that next leap is unlocking Lonnie Walker. If they can harness if they can harness that that violent savageness that's in his game to within their structure, I think they'll be okay because I don't think he gives you the same elements that Kawhi gave you because Kawhi just like showed up and was immediately locking down the number one scorers in the league defensively. But his unguardable athleticism, along with the facets of a game that you need to be a dominant perimeter player, if, if he can build those up, I think they'll be okay. I think they finally have figured out what to do with DeMar DeRozan. So the Spurs, the Spurs have like, like you pointed out earlier in, in earlier podcasts, they got a nice young course. Yeah. No, no, no. I was about to interject because that's what the, the Spurs have basically rebuilt while still staying somewhat relevant. They only missed the playoffs. Yeah. They only missed the playoffs last season, which ended what, like a 19 like year 20, It was like 20 something. It was yeah. when Tim Duncan got drafted. That's when it, like, so that's crazy. So they took one year off from the playoffs and they almost yeah, made they it. Were, they were in the, the bubble. So they had a chance. Exactly. So they've never been back in the lottery since they drafted Tim Duncan. Yeah. Spurs are going to be fine. <laughs> the Spurs are going to be fine because they, they, they just find a way to keep chugging along. And like you said, I, I, I don't know what the future holds because Popovich is 70. And, you know, who, who knows how much longer he's going to want to continue to coach. But that Spurs franchise has been a model of, of NBA consistency. And it, and, it, and it goes without saying that it, it should be, you know, applauded for what they do. Um, Stretch, what's your take on the Milwaukee Bucks? Because I know you're in that Midwest region, and even though you don't cheer for them, I know you interact with a lot of Milwaukee Bucks. I was raised up there, so I've watched them for years. I was raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so I watched them for years. 
So how are you feeling about the Bucks now? They recently, because we previously to, to having Steams on last episode, we talked about the Bucks going on a recent four-game trip. And what did I say, Seagrand? Three and one would be dope for them. They went four yeah, and they haven't lost. They, they've, they've actually won five straight to the point where they're now the second seed. So they went from what? The regular season. Yeah, no, of course. That's, and that's, and that's, that's good. We could, you're not the only one. Well, we're not the only ones on this podcast that season. I'm glad you're on the show to also realize that, that it seems like, you know, Giannis is Superman during the regular season, but he becomes Clark Kent with kryptonite in his hand in the playoffs. And it's like, wait, what? I mean, they build a wall. Once they build a wall, I mean, you can't shoot. What can you do? Yeah. Talk That's why I'm glad they got Drew Holiday because he is a solid point. Like, he's one of the most underrated players in the league, period. Mm-hmm. Talking yeah. about two-way players. Drew Holiday. You act a lot of NBA players, mm-hmm. like even guys I work out with that still work out with NBA players, like they tell you, like, who gave you the most hell? Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. But, but does. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm glad I, I like him better than Bledsoe, especially in a playoff situation, because he, he could get you the necessary shot. He can make it easier on Giannis. Mm-hmm. But what's going to take them to get go over is Chris Milliton got to step up to the plate. That's what's going to take them to go over. Because Giannis, it, even if you look in the playoffs, the numbers still be solid. Nobody else around him numbers be solid. Because I think, like you said, you pointed to part one of how to beat the Bucks. Part one, when you, beat, when you play the Bucks in the playoffs, these are the two things you have to do. You have to build a wall to make Giannis's easy points go away. And then second, you mm-hmm. have to focus all your defensive perimeter energy on giving Chris Middleton hell. And I think every year when the Bucks get into the playoffs and it starts to get the money time, Chris Middleton doesn't get the same quality of looks and shots that he gets in the regular season because, like you said, the focus has shifted. And they know, all right, well, if we take out – if we make it hard for number one, the same way they, they – you know, the plan B is to stop Clay Thompson, teams are putting that same energy into making – because remember, Chris Middleton – and I say this all the time on the podcast, and I don't know if you're familiar with this phrase – he shoots from a chair. Like, his shoot release point is not very high in the air, so he needs space. Mm-hmm. So when you are yep. in the playoffs and you got a Jimmy Butler with their arm extended out at you, that same, that same shot quality you was getting for 82 games, it deteriorates drastically. You got a guy closing out on you who's the same height as you, and you're not getting very far off the floor. So your visibility, your shot quality, all those things changes. Chris Middleton definitely is an upper-tier small forward but he doesn't have an upper echelon he can go to as a basketball player that I think Milwaukee needs. So I think that focus has to shift to Drew Holiday now. Drew Holiday has to go into his bag and go from, you know, the 19.6 that we, we normally see him averaging to like 25. Because if he becomes that secondary threat, now Middleton gets open again and he can shoot. Well, so basically, mm-hmm. but like if they kind of like... It's almost like his role in the playoffs, he needs to become more of a number one and then let those guys fill in the void. Because I think with Giannis being their number one, it's not working. Yeah. And you got to get you got to stop having Giannis yeah. bring the ball up so much, especially in the playoffs. Regular season, that's cool, but in the playoffs, that's when the wall exactly. is being mm-hmm. Post them up. The man seven, like seven one. Post his yeah, ass. Up. The, you gotta give the defense a different look. If we can set up from you taking the ball out of bounds and going the length of the court, it's easy to set up that wall. But if the coach has to do a better job of putting them in different mm-hmm. positions so the defense doesn't have time to set that wall up because it's not effective. 
And I, I think exactly. that's I think that's what exactly. maybe they're gonna have to start transitioning um Drew Drew Holiday to do to say, you know what, we need you to create this so that way once we get into the playoffs, we've already got an offensive set already put into play. So that way you you drive to the basket. Giannis is either coming from the wing or maybe even from the elbow, and you could do a couple of lobs, or you can at least put it into the post where all Giannis gotta do is either one dribble and go straight up. You know, no, no more of that Euro step from half court. Like that's not gonna work. And they have to have, they have to have because Middleton, Middleton is not a number one, but you really need him to because he can he can shoot, he can score. It's just that he has to get have to have the, the ball set up for him in order to do so. He has to have favorable situations and matchups to be dominant. Yeah. And and that's and that's the facet of his game that separates him from, like I said, those upper echelon wings, where he's able to stay with those upper echelon wings. And again, is another thing we we haven't mentioned yet. He's an A one defender. So Chris Middleton does go out and guard the other team's best perimeter player and give them hell. And then he also comes out and gives you nineteen twenty a game with three or four three pointers shot with accuracy. He's gonna do that. But come playoffs. Well, yeah, that, that's what he was doing. But this year, what might help them out is now that you got Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday is, you know what I'm saying, a better on-ball defender than him mm-hmm. and can hold big, bigger guys. So now, you know what I'm saying, Middleton don't know how to exhaust so much on defense. Maybe he his his shot will flow more, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying, fluent. Yeah, but he still shoot from a chair. He still shoots from a chair. Yeah, but that 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 really I mean like that 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 really like you know what I'm saying? Like, so stretch. I think let's go through. That don't it. Let's really go matter. Through it. Let's go through it. He's used to it. He's used to it. So let's go through it. Right now, as currently constructed, do you think the Milwaukee Bucks this season can make the finals? I think them and, and Brooklyn could be interesting. <laughs> but do you think they can make the? Finals? I do. You do. Okay. Okay. Yes, I do. Right, I believe so they can make the so, final just because of their defense strictly. So give they me, do play defense. Give me, give me your top four East picks with high finals probabilities or chances. So you've already said Brooklyn. You've already said Milwaukee. Give me two other teams from the East that you think, if they were to make it to Philly the finals, you wouldn't be surprised. Philly and Boston. Mm. Mm. That, that, I mean, that's pretty safe. It's only four teams. Them the only four teams that have a shot. The rest of the teams don't even have a – man, they don't ha- have a dream. So Milwaukee – so you're saying that Miami, Miami can't go on another run this year? No. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, no, Indiana's done. They they not gonna go on no finals run. I mean, they can make some noise. They ain't going on the finals run. Okay. I can't see them knocking out the, one of the, the top four I name. Well, Boston's kind of been been in a swoon lately, but I don't know if it's injury related or it's just. I, well, I I think what was it? Uh, Jalen Brown is out right now. Um, I think he. They've just been. Yeah, having, you know, it, you know, you got the injuries this year. You got the people got to be the COVID. sit out for COVID if they. You know what I'm saying? Came in contact with somebody. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, because Boston's only like 12 and 11. I hope for the playoffs. I hope for the playoffs, just for the playoffs. So, we won't have to have none of these people sitting out for the important games. They should go back to the bubble. I propose just keep everybody safe. I propose that the whole entire NBA season should have been in a bubble. But my bubble proposition was the players was against it. Agreed. And and I I know they were. And I, I felt like they made a mistake in electing that choice. I get it the whole, oh, our families and being close to people, da 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 da. You know what? You guys are professional athletes and it's it's a luxury that your friends and family get to watch you play. 
It's not, it's not a given. It's not a promise. You know, a lot of yeah, us. Yeah, it's a lot. See, a lot of us. I look okay, at that. I'll, it's a double side coin. It's a double side coin because why? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's a luxury to to go out there and get paid all these millions just to shoot hoops and stuff like that. Your family could watch you, but at the same time, if you feel like being in that that bubble is taking away necessary time from your family. Before you was an NBA player, you was a father. So, you know what I'm saying? Just, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, okay. A lot of these players in the league had babies coming to the league before fair, they got to the league. Fair, and I don't want... This I ain't don't the want, old I, school days. Right, I don't, don't want to detract. Days. I don't want to detract from what you're saying, but again, we, we often... Yeah, we often... Like, like, like case, case in point, you know what I'm saying? Like case in point. LeBron could feel like as a father, if he wasn't in a bubble, Bronny probably wouldn't have been on social media smoking weed. Not saying that it can't happen, but he could feel that way as a father. You see what I'm saying? He could feel like I'm I'm away. I'm not paying necessary attention. You know what I mean? Like he wait, wait, I'm wait, just speaking from wait, a father. Wait, so, so so on a night that 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 Braun is out dropping 46 in Denver, he was gonna be able to stop Bronny from smoking weed in, in LA. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know what I'm saying, necessarily clean cut. Yeah, he could have stopped him. I'm just saying that presence. Oh, yeah, okay. Kids going to be pops, kids, he ain't man. Coming home. Kids going to be My pops ain't coming home for some months. I know. I, I started smoking at a very early age, so I know. But I'm just saying, it's that presence of, yeah, daddy might pop damn, up. my pops would be at the crib waiting on me versus, no, my pops, I ain't going to see him for another month or so until after the finals. So I deal with that backlash then. I respect it. I definitely respect it. But but here's my perspective on, on why I said what I said about the whole separation of family. Stretch, when you go to work. But no, you feel what I'm saying, see, see, mm-hmm. see Grando? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just that that presence of you knowing your father going to be at home. And you know this, this clip just went viral, so you probably don't even want to walk through the door. Versus you know he in the bubble ain't coming home for a minute. So, yeah, I might... By the time he talked to me about this face-to-face, a lot of time would have been elapsed. Can y'all hear me? Mad. But no, go ahead, Alex. You, you just said once a year. One day that's a year, we, left we off as day. workers in America get to do what? Bring our kids to work. It's a national holiday. Yeah. So again, it's a luxury that the NBA and all professional athletes have the opportunity, the privilege, the 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 benefit of being in a occupation that allows for your friends and family to be closely within it's not a promise it's not a given so i get that part and here's the reason why i say my argument is stronger you put all those players in the bubble how many positive covid tests did we have none the moment we come out of the bubble look at what we've got chaos the few times that nba players averted the protocol they got themselves in trouble, and they either got removed from the bubble or they couldn't play in games. Case in point, Daniel House. And I think there was another player who tried to sneak a girl in, and, yep. and he wound up not being able to play for a while because they broke the protocol. I felt that the NBA should have created four bubbles regionally to be able to host these games, and then you move these teams as they travel. What the NBA chose to do was to create two-game bubbles. So now you see the Knicks in Chicago play twice in a row. You see Milwaukee and uh, who, who did Milwaukee mm-hmm. just play twice in a row? I think they, they just played a two-game swing against um, uh, Cle- Cleveland. Cleveland. So what the NBA – right. 
Cleveland, yep, and Golden State playing on right. San Antonio so, game. Mm-hmm. They kind of replicated that, but they still also gave you know the players some of that freedom back. So I get the happy medium that they created with that situation, but um, obviously I think if the NBA had gotten what they wanted, they probably, like you said, would have staged most of this in the bubble because, yeah, the franchises are losing money with the home attendance and people not being able to go to the games, but the product as far as the league is concerned, is still being delivered. And they have an obligation to those corporate sponsors who put out billions of dollars to fund for these players' salaries to give them a consistent good product. And I think that's what we're not suffering through, but that's what we're dealing with now with the fact that with COVID and all of these players still having that freedom, it's allowed for them to come in contact with the pandemic in a way that they were able to protect themselves from when everything was happening in Orlando. Besides the fact that I happen to live in Orlando and it would be nice if all of you made, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, let me not be selfish. Let me be selfish. <laughs> but, um, I knew the players weren't going to yeah, go for that. That's, that's what I, I was going to um, jump in and say, these, these players, they got, a, I got a union. You know, they're not agreeing to that type of stuff. You know, um, the thing, the thing with the NBA and the bubble situation, they're gonna try to take advantage and try to make things no, to seem as normal as possible. The fact that the just players union, I mean, you you had guys um, ready to cause hell when um, they were in the bubble about not wanting to be there anymore. You know, some guys wanting to be there. Am I back on? Oh, yeah. And making a stink. They definitely were making a stink about about being in the bubble. Yo, right. Yo, the Knicks about to what talk to the us. hell is going on in the Knicks. Yo, I'm watching the Knicks game and the Knicks, first of all, it's it's the Knicks are down one with about it was about twelve seconds left. Right? They're playing Miami in Miami. Julius Randle has the ball at the top of the key. You know, he never likes to drive left, even though he's a lefty, right? Oh boy. He drives with his right hand and he goes from half court. First of all, Jimmy Butler's on the floor faking like he hurt, and he's not hurt. He just showed the key. All right, all right. I mean, Julius Randle, top of the key. He's dribbling with his right hand. He ends up taking a fadeaway jumper from the right baseline. He's at the top of the key. He's dribbling the ball, and he takes a fadeaway all the way at the – basically from – The right elbow or the like right baseline? The, no, I'm talking about the right block, but pass like in between the block and the three point the right. Yes, but you're at the top of the key shooting, like you to shoot the ball, like you, like that's the best offense you got for the game winner. And now they ended up to his to his defense that 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 right there on that 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 wing. That's his sweet spot, though. No, his but what defense, I'm saying is that, that wasn't even a wing spot. shot. He dribbled from the top. He said he key, almost got to the side, like of the almost diagonal to the. To the to the to the base. Right, so he almost got to the side. So of the he shot room. this fadeaway. Yeah, he's shooting. He's shooting from the sideways. Like his 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 strength is driving to the right and doing the little pull up. But he should have did it at the elbow, not at the baseline. Because now you just wasted all that time. Or he he, he should have picked the, the he pressure gave on the ball to Derrick Rose. Rose. No, Derrick, they don't have Derrick Rose. Well, well that's game. the problem. I need to talk to Tibbs. No, but the problem is the problem is the. Re- but you know why Derrick Rose came, time. though, right? No, a mentor. He, he, he's, he's doing right. a mentor. You mentor. He's well, mentor. he's doing a good job because he's got 15, no, 14 points already. I mean, in a few minutes, 20 minutes. But the problem is they took him out. No, the problem is they also had quickly, who just hit one of his, 
new, you know, world-renowned teardrops, and they went away from it. They see the problem is the Knicks put too much faith in Julius Randle, who is not consistently being able to deliver, and that's the problem. He's shooting. He's he's got twelve points right now. He's cold. Like quickly, just hit a big time shot. Get a ball back to the young boy. The young boy is proving that I can shoot this photo against anybody. And yeah. they, they, they didn't go to him. They put him in the game, and he cut. He he um he scored the basket as quick as possible. So they were down one. They ended up getting a defensive stop. Give it back to him. And the thing about quick. Now, why Tibbs don't like Knox, man? I don't Thank know. you. I don't know. I think I think. Thank it, you. I think Tibbs has a Tibbs has a short leash with players that he hasn't coached before. So I think that's the problem. I mean, because and I feel like Knox has not um, been consistent. And it, I think Tibbs is like, yo, you know what? You're not consistent enough. I don't know you well enough. Consistent so. where? Consistent as a scorer? Consistent, I guess, on the Knicks. I mean, he must watch him in practice and. I mean, if, if you don't play defense, Tibbs ain't really trying to play. Okay, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Then he's not really trying to give you much light. He'll give you he, – you're on a short leash. Think about it. Tibbs always gives the guys he knows way more playing time. Why is Taj Gibson still around getting playing time? Like, he's brought back to, to get playing time. You brought Wait, Dirk- Taj Gibson is still on the Knicks? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's not going nowhere when Tibbs show up as you crash. Well, listen, that's like Todd Gibson is from Washington role. Heights. Todd Gibson is from the Heights. So I mean, Tibbs about to turn the, the, the Knicks into the New York Bulls like he did the, <laughs> the Timberwolves. Yeah, because you see two of his players, you got Randall and Barrett who lead the league, what, what, a top five in minutes Minute? played, heck, minutes per game. Heck, they might be top three, you know. Um, it, but that's the thing. Tibbs goes to – he wants players that already know his system and that he could push you to work. What is his system? His system is, I'm going to play the starters as much as humanly possible. That's not a system. That's a mythology. Okay. What, what is what, – what, what's his offensive system? What is the Tom Thibodeau offense? No, no, no. Nobody knows that. I don't think he knows. I don't think motion. he knows that. Y'all know that. Y'all know that. No, it's motion. You know that Tom Thibodeau is motion. Runs triangle. Regular elements? motion. Nah. He's been running triangle elements since he was a head coach. It ain't uh, yeah. triangle elements. You'll see the ball come to the elbows. You'll see the player catch the ball at the elbow, do a turn pivot post, and it'll either be a dribble handoff option with somebody flaring to the wings. That's classic triangle offense. Classic. But that's that's a lot. How many of pick and rolls do the Knicks run? The NBA. Do the Knicks? I, I'm not. Listen, oh, I'm no. not saying it's viable. I'm saying I'm pointing out to y'all because y'all both say the system. I'm telling y'all, that's the inherent flaw with Tom Thibodeau's system. The fact that it has not yet evolved to match the NBA play style. And the reason why it, it does the way it does is because Tom Thibodeau's defense is built to stop those very offenses that he doesn't want to run. He doesn't like that. Is, so he came up with a defense to stop it. So now he doesn't want to run an offense that he's wow. taught his players how to stop. So Barrett misses a layup that would have tied the game. Uh. Mm. Wow, well, I'm a left-handed layup at that. Going, going mm. left. That's the new Andrew Wiggins right there. Wow, wow, wow. He said it. He said it. See, Grant, you got to hold that one. Listen, I, can, I can't. Say, he just put. I can't he, say nothing right he now. He just pushed the Knicks hairline. He, blew he just pushed the Knicks hairline back to the. He just pushed the Knicks hairline back to cradle cap status with that one. He said, "R.J. Barrett is the new <laughs> Andrew Wiggins." Ouch. I mean. You're going to see flashes at times, but a lot, it's a lot of inconsistency 
at times. Listen, RJ Barrett just need a jump shot. He and it's tough to, like I said, get into the NBA and become a reliable perimeter shooter. It's really rare that it happens. Very few players do it. What you think Wiggins missing? A consistent well, jump Wiggins shot. apparently got a gun now because he's shooting thirty eight percent from three. Yeah, no, nah. and that's sad because in this in this day and age, that's good. That was horrible. Thirty eight percent from three is is very good. That's mm-hmm. two percentage points off forty. If you have a 50, 40, 90 season stretch, you're an elite shooter. There's only like about 10 guys who do that. Historically. Yeah. I think it was like Reggie Miller started it. I'm just saying back back when we was watching like the elite three-point shooters, they 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 was in the mid 40s. Yeah, the mid 40s three-point shooters, the mid 40s three-point shooters you speak of were guys like Steve Kerr, who got to take four three-pointers a game and make two. No, but the, we... the three-point shooters that we're seeing in this era of the NBA. They're taking five to eight a game. So you, you factor in that additional value, 40% statistically with threes is better than 50% with twos. Mathematically. Yeah, that's that's for the that's for the yeah, that's for the analytic guys, but I'm an eye test guy. When I watch on the court, that shit is inconsistent. Well, but the Warriors won with what you said, the eye test. Yeah, but not every, but not everybody is the Warriors, and that's the problem. Agreed. That's why that's why the Rockets crashed and burned using that method because they because they I was just about to say because the Rockets show tried to adapt they 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 overused that that those analytics that stretch spoke to which like you said there has to be a balance between analytics and the eye test which ironically you know who else uses triangle elements in their offense the Golden State Warriors but anyway back to what I'm back you, you that that that's given. That's given. You know Kerr was about to do that. That's but given. right. We just said five minutes ago it's not a viable offense. But when you put it in the right coach's hands with the right personnel, the triangle is still winning championships. Yes. Still. That's so Tex Winter had a he had a goal, my boy. Listen, the whole idea of putting guys in the middle of the floor with the option to shoot, pass, and and, and turn and face. It's always going to be a threat on the basketball court. Even when you play three on three, when you have to play that one big man who could do a little bit of everything, he gives, he makes all the other guys good. Because it's like, not only can we not stop you, but you might just give us a little under the shoulder pass or, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to have the right personnel to be able to execute that. And that goes back to what C. Grant was talking about with, 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 with um, Julius Randle. The fact that there's limitations to his game that he has yet to really fine tune that's what hurts him as being a go-to player because does he have go-to player ability? Yes. But does he have the go-to player skill set yet? No. And that's the problem. If Julius Randle doesn't develop a finishing package, uh, all right, when it's time for the money. Remember Paul Pierce mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter? I think we all know what was about to happen. Yep. Paul Pierce get the ball at the top of the key off a of 1-3 switch. He's going to dribble two times hard to the right. He's going to jab you. If you don't right fall for the, the jab, and if you don't fall for the jab, He's going to go to the rack and get his and one. Mm-hmm. But if you fall for the jab, he's going to pull up in your face and he's going to shoot you out the gym. He had that. Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. mid-post, I'm either going to give you the turn and face fadeaway or I'm going to spin opposite and step through you and finish at the basket. Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Steph Curry, on and on. All of these guys have closing time packages. LeBron had to develop one. We still don't know exactly what it is because, you know, LeBron be doing weird stuff every season. But... You know, come closing yeah, time, he's nah. gonna go to a, a, a condensed format of his game that he knows is harder to stop. And when you become one of those elite players, that's what you have. Dame Lillard, I'm gonna give you two hard dribbles to the left. I'm gonna step you back right, and I'm gonna shoot a fadeaway 
off of my right leg, and you can't block it. Ask Paul George. Ask the Chicago Bulls. Ask uh, ask the Houston Rockets when he sent them home, when, when Dwight Howard and, and James Harden played for them. Great players develop those elite closing time packages, and that's what somebody on the Knicks is going to have to assimilate or they're going to just continue to be fighting to stay above water. And I think that's an element that Derrick Rose brings to you, which is why I'm surprised he wasn't there to close this game out because Derrick Rose will give you those two hard dribbles, step back, pull up right at the free throw line, and be open every time because you just can't stay in front of him. So because the fact Tibbs, that Tibbs the, Knicks got like a lot great, the Knicks got a lot of good pieces. They just need their superstar. Well, I mean, if you add a superstar, you remove Julius Randle because you can't have Julius Randle there and a superstar. Julius Randle only became a player worth watching when Anthony Davis sat. So it's either Julius Randle upgrade or the Knicks figure out how to flip him. And remember, they paid him. They didn't overpay him, but they paid him. So. Yeah, but he's not a number one. Agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As currently constructed, he's not a number one option, but they're treating him as one. Yeah, they're giving and him. And if that, they were to that. trade, and if they were to trade him, they would need to get a number one option back. And the only number one option I can imagine, <laughs> I ain't gonna do it to see, right? I ain't gonna do it because he goes, he's just gonna end the, the podcast if I say it. But the only number one option player they could probably get for, <laughs> they can get Blake Griffin. <laughs> Yo, wow. <laughs> Blake Griffin yeah. ain't no number one no more, man. Yo, Blake go. Griffin is Blake Griffin's not even a number seven option right now. He's finished, man. Yo, he man, finished. finished. Man, I think, but did the did the Pistons? How win? many dunks do he have this year? I think he got less than ten. Oh, he's averaging twelve a game, but I don't even know if he's played ten games a season. Did the? No, I said how many dunks oh, no, do he, he have? Because all he do is shoot. Did dunks? See, Grant, mm-hmm. did the um did the Pistons win that game? Did they beat the Nets? They beat the Nets by um, what did they beat them by eleven? And Ooh. they beat and they beat what? Oh, what did the Blake Griffin and oh Blake Griffin ended up with yeah nine points <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yo why you yeah. do that? <laughs> Who was killing for the Pistons? Uh, Grant to be Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant, and uh, yeah. DeLon White. I mean, right. Oh, shout out to Darren Wright. Man, I'm mad. Grant wanted the money. He, man, if he would have stayed in Denver, oh my I mean, god. You can't blame him though. They gave him. I mean, somebody give me a what a, about a twelve to fifteen million dollar up uh, pay increase. I mean, I feel all players that's worth it should at least go after at least one payday. Yeah, because you 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 don't get you that. Gotta remember, you got to remember. So you got to remember. I'm not. I'm not mad Jeremy at Grant. it. I'm just saying, if he would have stayed at Denver, they could, they would have been probably one of the scariest teams. But you gotta remember, Jeremy Grant to, to passed to. But yeah, Grant, Grant, like, yeah, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't develop a long yeah, he, way because he's he's happen. been on. If I'm not mistaken, Jeremy Grant's been on at least three, three to four teams already. Or yeah, five. yeah, you might, you, might, I wouldn't, I would not doubt it, because he got drafted, if I'm not mistaken, by uh, Philadelphia, and yeah. then he ended up. Yeah, he got no, he got drafted by the um yeah, because he went to Syracuse. I'm about to look up his stats. He's been on four mm-hmm. teams already. Yeah, he got drafted by Philly, played in Philly for two years, three years, went to Oklahoma City after that, and then went to I was able to say and then went to team. Denver. He only played in Denver that one year. I thought he was in Denver twice, two years, but guess not. And then now he's in Detroit. So yeah, four teams. Well, one there for a year and a half, then he 
one in like a year and a half. Um, according to this, according to um Basketball Reference, it just has him for a full season in Denver. I have him okay. for a full season. Okay. I, I can say I thought it was longer too, but I guess not. You know what I mean? I guess. Yeah, but, you, but that was the perfect fit for him, yeah. man. But I. Because Millsap, this probably Millsap last year. That was like it would have been him. Um, Porter. What's the what's the, the light skinned yeah, tall Michael guy? Um, yeah, him Porter and Murray and Jokic. Oh my! Yeah, they would just had to trade some pieces to get a, a a quality number two. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm I'm actually surprised. Denver, if Denver's trying to win, why they're not throwing some um players at Bradley Beal to get Washington to bite? Because if you can get Murray, Beal, Jokic, Porter, and that bench, that that's a tough out. But see, that's the thing to get to get Bradley Beal. They're gonna have to give away some key pieces on their bench. They're gonna have to give away at least um the Monte dude, and they're gonna have to give away probably Will the Thrill Barton and but yeah, they're gonna have to give up a couple of pieces. To yeah, but I mean. Beal, man. But Bradley Bill said he want to stay in Washington. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I mean he's probably also saying that until they can work something out because he, I mean, who knows? Yes, it's a, he definitely said he wanted. He's always said he wanted to stay, and his family's always been. He's always like, "Yo, my wife." Now that I have um a child, he wanted to stay like with DC. Um, but the reality is, mm-hmm. you know, you're not winning, and you're averaging, you're leading the league in scoring, and when sometimes when you look at his roster. You got Robin Lopez as the second option. Yeah, you you, know, you got to get up out of there. They ain't trying to win. You know what I'm saying? Because, again, the Wizards, even if they have all their pieces, you're still looking like this team is not good, you know? So no, Not as long as you got Russell Westbrook over there. No, but I'm just good. saying, even if they didn't have Westbrook, like just with that rest of that roster, that's not a roster that you actually compete. Oh, that's, that's, that's that roster. Yeah, and, and, and most of that roster is young. So you got pieces that nobody would want. Like I'm not, I'm not that that guy that the, the kid they drafted, the Denny kid. I'm not. So far, I don't see, I don't see why they drafted him so high. There was other players you could have went after. I don't know why they got uh, Rory Hachimura. Yeah, he's not doing what he's like. He's, he's not, not he's not that to me. No, nah, he's he's not he's not working. It's not working out for him. Um. So yeah, I have no idea. But you know who is looking good? Who's that? Charlotte. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Lamelo, Lamelo's got everybody. They playing a higher tempo offense, a faster pace, yeah. and that faster pace. They're gonna be they're gonna be scary in a couple years. Oh yeah, because all they gotta do is start making some trades and get some pieces, some extra pieces that fit fit a little, that uh, this the certain players that they need big men. They 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 got too many guards. Well, yeah, and they got you know, and again, that's yeah. They they need a couple of quality guys, or or at least they need. Some of the big men like Miles Bridges is doing well, but they need Washington to to grow. Um, until they get that, then they're gonna have to make those trades. But I don't see them. But PJ Washington, he ain't he ain't number six nine sixteen. He ain't that big anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, of course. But with today's game, as long as you keep certain guys on the outside perimeter, you'll have some type of success. But you know, because that's what you want the offense to continue to free, be a free flowing offense. Um, and I don't think that. You know, like I said, but sometimes some guys gotta have to grow into those those roles. I don't see, I don't know if they're gonna do it, but yeah, maybe you know you got some time. Charles Charles on a better path now that Lamelo's worked out because you get rid of Rozier or Graham, you're gonna have to get rid of um, 
and you try to get some pieces for that, and then you try to continue to just draft better. You can see Graham, but you can let Scary Terry go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, this has been another episode of Views from the Clutch. We um, appreciate everybody. Uh, please like and like our pages on all social media platforms. Uh, we're available on all streaming platforms as well. Views from the Clutch. If anybody wants to get in contact with us, they can contact on Facebook, Views from the Clutch, or Instagram, Views from the Clutch, or Views from the Clutch at gmail.com. Uh, once again, thank you everybody for coming in. Stretch, appreciate you coming in. We're going to have you again on an episode in the near future. Um, on... Appreciate y'all for having me. Yes, sir. Me. On that note, we're going to say peace. <laughs>